The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. What a great day. I am in Delaware at CSC for the Bender Leadership Academy graduation. This is for young people with disabilities, teaching them about leadership, stopping bullying, and the world of work, and it is just and was fantastic. Then, you have one of my favorite people on the radio show talking about something that's very personal to me, and that would be all about faith. I am so delighted to have as our guest today the Director of Interfaith Initiatives for the American Association of People with Disabilities, Miss Jenny Thornburg. Welcome to the show. Oh, Joyce, an honor to be with you today on this glorious day. Yes, it is a glorious day. Well, Jenny, how about if you first explain to our listeners, because they may not be familiar with the Interfaith Initiative of the American Association of People with Disabilities, how about if you explain what it is and how you became involved with AAPD? Sure. Uh, And prior to doing that, I want to thank you, Joyce Bender, for being our board chair. After all, you're our big boss and you are behind and under and embracing our goal of equal opportunity, economic power, independent living, and political participation for people with disabilities. And we adore you and we thank you. Well, thank you. (laughs) It is an honor for me to be the chair. Well, I, I I hope we're obedient servants because your words are very dear to us. Um. The mission of AAPD Interfaith Initiative um, is to support children and adults with disabilities and, of course, their families as they seek spiritual and religious access, as they want to be welcomed in their parish, in their church, in their synagogue, in their temple, in their mosque, in their meeting house to help those families make that happen. And second of all, to bring the powerful prophetic voice of the religious community to the 21st century disability agenda. You talk on your program and we talk a lot at AAPD about the disability agenda, particularly about employment, which is so dear to your heart. All the things that allow people with disability to live full participating lives. And my responsibility is to help bring the religious community aboard that agenda. And it's uh, it's exciting work, and uh, I've, I've enjoyed it tremendously. Um, it's interesting, when AAPD has its mission and its goal, interfaith is so logical, because 
if you're going, if you're about the business of civil rights and justice, which is what AAPD is all about, interfaith work falls neatly into that responsibility. So I've been here now three and a half years. Um, Mark Periella, who you know well, is our president and CEO. And I have actually been doing this work now, interfaith disability work, for 23 years. Wow. <laughs> a long, long time. Wow. That is a long time. <laughs> well, and you're doing a great job. Now, I'm telling you, I know it already. I know the personal story of what happened to you to cause you to really embark on this trail. But would you mind sharing with our listeners what started your career in religion and disability? Well, in terms of religion, I had been uh, a child of faith um, and actually majored in philosophy and religion in college. So I found religious studies fascinating. I enjoyed learning about other faiths. I enjoyed my own faith. And so I'd, I guess you'd always say I'd always been interested in religion. I was not, um, I was not uh, that well acquainted with disability until I became the mother of Peter Thornburg. Uh, my son, Peter, who Joyce is now 52 years old. Wow. You, you recall a handsome, charming, wonderful man you've met many times. Um, I actually adopted Peter when uh, I married Dick Thornburg. I adopted his three sons who he had been widowed, as you remember. And we've since had a fourth son. So Peter, raising Peter, it just became clear. I, I became his mom when he was four. It became clear that he loved going to church. He, he was just one of those people that shined when people were singing hymns or uh, having uh, fellowship. He just liked being in that community. So here was a child who blossomed in the faith community. And I realized that he, as is true of all of our sons, had a right to grow in faith, to learn the stories of our faith, and to participate. And so it was uh, through Peter that I realized that many churches, many synagogues, temples, mosques, and meeting houses don't know quite what to do when someone with disability appears or is born into the congregation, they just don't know what to do. So you know what they do, Joyce? They just sort of do nothing. They're afraid they're going to offend, say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing. So they just sort of avoid the situation. And I began to realize that just like all parts of our society, uh, we needed a major educational effort. And um, that was when I wrote with Ann Davey a book that you've spoken about on your program often called That All May Worship. That All May Worship um, has sold 70,000 copies. And uh, the great news for AAPD is very soon it's going to be online available at no cost on our most wonderful website, which, of course, is www.aapd.com, aapd.com. So um, writing that and writing two other guides, 
uh, I realized that religious community was hungry for information about the disability community. Uh, what do you say when you meet someone with disability? Well, guess what you say, Joyce? You say hello. Mm-hmm. You know, what do, what do you do when you meet um, someone who has a prosthesis instead of a hand? Do you shake hands? Just all kinds of awkward, potentially awkward situations. If we find that we have a friend, if we're meeting someone person to person, if we're meeting another person who has similar goals and dreams and fears and and wishes, if we treat the person as if they were fully a person just as we are, uh, that makes all the difference. So I kind of began as an educational person. Um, learning about a variety of faiths and, of course, learning about a variety of disabilities. I know Peter's disability pretty well. Uh, Peter has uh, intellectual disability and physical disability. In the old days, um, he was regarded as somebody with mental retardation, but that's a pejorative term now. We prefer a more affirming uh, term, which of course is intellectual disabilities. But Peter, meanwhile, uh, is uh, a contributing citizen. He uh, works Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday in a food bank in central Pennsylvania. He volunteers on Wednesday um, at the Ronald McDonald House in Hershey, Pennsylvania. He is... Uh, he is in a reading course because he's determined to learn to read in a better way. He uh, has, oh, you'll love this choice. He has a personal trainer. He has somebody he works with Tuesday and Thursday so that he doesn't get stiff and he keeps his muscles as active as possible. So he's just a good-looking guy who's 52 who visits his parents in Washington, D.C. about once a month, comes for three or four or five days to check on his mom and dad, and he's a, he's a great – oh, and, of course, I should have started out with this. He votes. Of course he votes. <laughs> Wow, that is really awesome, and I knew that's how this part this part started, you know, about advocacy for the ability for everyone to worship. And <clears throat> as I'll be talking about a book that I read that you gave me, um, and one of the things I noticed toward the beginning is that it talked about, you know, it's hard to understand how people from various religions would not accept people with disabilities. Um, and an example was that all us does not judge according to your bodies and your appearance, wrote the prophet Muhammad, but he scans your heart and looks into your deeds. Gandhi said, what barrier is there that love cannot break? And surely... In the New Testament, one example would be the Gospel of Luke. Early Christians are urged to invite to their gatherings the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, not to mention that Moses, who led the Israelites out into the promised land, stuttered. Amazing that God chose that person. So knowing all of that, what do you believe has caused these attitudinal barriers? Well, in 23 years of work uh, with congregations, I do not 
believe that congregations intentionally uh, do not welcome people with disabilities. It's not a mean-spirited rejection. It's just plain not understanding, not being well-educated. And you have quoted three, Prophet Muhammad, Mahatma Gandhi, and Luke, as three important theologians and scriptural writers. It's very clear that scripture of all faith traditions mandates that all of us, with and without disabilities, are to be valued, enjoyed, welcomed. So scripture dictates this, and why hasn't it happened? Well, it's the lack of education in my mind. A lot of congregations I meet on the telephone or by email or in letters uh, will tell me they've put in a ramp. We've got a ramp, and that pretty much does it. Well, you and I know a ramp is a good and important thing, but it's just it's just the beginning. It, it if you have a ramp and you don't have an accessible ADA compliant restroom, how do you expect someone who's a chair user or a walker user to go to the bathroom? And how do you expect them to park unless you have designated parking places in your parking lot? So it's a comprehensive uh, responsibility. And I think it begins the really way to, and now let me get to your, um, the, your question, the attitude in the verse. By the way, Joyce, and you and I have talked about this before, there are, there are architectural barriers, and, and if, in an interesting way, they're the most easily identified, and, and they're removed by money. So they're, in a way, the simplest ones. Communication barriers are more, a little more complex. They have to do with uh, making sure we have uh, ASL interpreters, we have audio loops, we have Braille materials, we have large print materials, and we um, address all of the senses of people who have intellectual disabilities who may learn not in a cognitive way, <clears throat> excuse me, Joyce, but may learn more through their senses. But as for the attitudinal barriers, they linger and they're tougher. Uh, they're addressed through education. They're addressed through a congregation, for example, having a six-week course on issues of disability and having each week a single disability uh, taken up. For example, you might talk about psychiatric disability. And you would have somebody who has depression or somebody who had schizophrenia be a speaker. And then you might have a psychologist or a psychiatrist be a speaker. You would always want to have the leaders be people with disabilities where they are the leaders of our community and they're the ones who know disability best. So attitudinal barriers in the end are addressed by my favorite thing, and I know you understand this, Joyce, it's what I call sacred friendship. Because if I care about you, Joyce Bender, and I know about you, and I know you root for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and I know you care passionately about employment of people with disabilities, if I really care about you, I care in a sacred way, our friendship is undergirded by faith, then I am going to 
uh, have no attitudes about you that would be pejorative or stereotypical. And I think that's really the place to begin is in friendship. And that, of course, is is the best place anywhere to begin, is, is caring about people enough so that we carry them on our hearts. Yeah, and this theme was in the book I'm going to talk about because how can you have friendships in the church with people if they're not included? You know, part of going to worship is also meeting and having friends. Now, I have Mm -hmm. to tell you something, Jenny, that I'm in Delaware at the, as I mentioned, at the Bender Leadership graduation ceremony, and I was telling one of the mothers that was here about my radio show and how you were going to be on. And she is a woman of faith, and I knew that, so I wanted to tell her the story. And she looked at me and she said, Well, Joyce, I haven't worshipped in the congregation with everyone for three years. I said, what do you mean? (laughs) Well, I go in a separate room because she, like me, has epilepsy, and whatever lighting they have will impact her that she could have a seizure. So the way they accommodate it, they say, well, then you worship in this separate room. (laughs) And one day... Um, the pastors, someone connected to the pastor walked in and said, um, well, you should be happy you have a front row seat. <laughs> and she said, well, no, I'm not happy. I'd rather be with everyone else worshiping. <laughs> and the answer was, be happy, you're a visitor. <laughs> and I thought, oh, terrible, because... That's exactly how you would feel. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't feel like you're welcome. You would feel like a visitor. Uh, That is pain. Your story is pain-filled. And I am so sorry that that person said that. That person didn't know any better choice. That person thought he or she was saying something kind. I don't think our stories are known and understood uh, well, and that's why education has been so uh, critical for me. Um, and we must. There are lots of people who have disabilities. I call them not apparent disabilities. I'm not fond of invisible disabilities. But not apparent disabilities are a disability. If, I, if I'm in a wheelchair, you know pretty much how to give me a hand. Or if I am caning, uh, you know pretty much that I'm blind and I, uh, I need directions, head, head to the right or head to the left. But if I look as if I'm a typical person, and I have epilepsy, and I have fibromyalgia, or depression, or any number of situations uh, that are not apparent. It's often harder for uh, congregations to understand how to be loving and kind and supportive. So just as you and I, as people of forgiveness, need to forgive that hurtful remark. We have to work doubly hard. So the woman you referenced is a full integrated member of that congregation. And so she can speak up about the type of lighting that is used. 
Um, I have a whole lot of friends, and particularly in the last four or five years, who have environmental illness. But this wasn't talked about when you and I began years and years and years ago. But luckily, uh, the environmental community, people who have uh, various types of asthma and um, uh, other environmental diseases, are stepping forward and saying, if you want me to be a fully included a member, you're going to have to stop using the cleaning preparation that you use because uh, that's toxic for me. Or you're going to have to stop having people sit uh, near me who have perfume and shampoo and other uh, fragrances. Because if I'm in the body of the congregation and people have those fragrances, I can't be with you. And that is, takes education on the part of everybody else, but it also takes assertiveness on the part of those of us who have disabilities. We need to stand forward about our right to be welcomed in the house of God of our choice. And Joyce, that's a right. That's a, that's a out of the rights, disability rights movement. We have a right to be welcomed in the house of God of our choice. Well, I say amen to everything you just said. I agree totally. I mean, I, I agree with you, uh, Jenny. And, and I also am surprised, you know, when you were talking about the environmental disabilities, I would just bet most people are not familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you'd certainly be familiar with it if you were the kind of person who could not go many places. Not just about smoke. I think it's... Uh, frequently talked about um, people allergic to smoke. But I have a friend who sings in the choir, and what she does, this is quite interesting, she goes, her her, uh, parish has six services on the day, and she goes uh, for the very first service and sings because at that point there's less toxic fragrance in the parish and she sits in the very last row and often stands so she's above the fragrance she has had to make so many thoughtful decisions so that she can share her gift of song with that parish it's not easy it's not easy wow well jenny we have before we go to break we have uh the first question for you that was emailed prior to the show, which is, uh, Miss Thornburg, bless you, I've read about what you do. My question is, very few people know about the work you do at the organization you're involved with. Uh, is there some way you can get more news out about this? <laughs> well, that, that's what, uh, that's my job is to get the, the news out. And let me give two or three ways. Um, of course, I just gave the website address, which is the website of the American Association of People with Disabilities, AAPD. And that is www.aapd.com. AAPD.com. And once you go onto that site under programs, you'll see interfaith. And I, give me a moment, if you will, to explain why interfaith is important. You know, Joyce, the accommodation in an Orthodox synagogue 
the way to treat a person in an Orthodox synagogue with dignity and respect is the exact same way you do in a Catholic parish or you do in a mosque. There aren't differences in, in treating people with disabilities or welcoming them and valuing them. So that's why interfaith work um, is, is the pathway I've chosen. So um, that's, <laughs> that's how to reach us, and um, I would look forward to a phone call if that's something this person would like to do. Uh, if that person has a pen, it's 202 521-4311 in Washington, D.C., where AAPD is located, 202-521-4311. And tell her, please, to look forward to That All May Worship being a free online book, uh, probably in the next month. Uh, that has been a very popular guide for congregations and for the disability community, and we're really excited that uh, Mark Periel and others have made it possible for it to go online. Oh, that is so great. That is great, and I would encourage all of you, once again, aapd.com. Go to the website. It is fantastic, aapd.com. And you can read all about our interfaith initiative that Jenny Thornburg is leading across America for the organization. But right now, we're going to get ready to go to break. Hey, if you just joined us, we have as our guest today Jenny Thornburg, Director of Interfaith Initiatives for the American Association of People with Disabilities. And and the First Lady of Pennsylvania, and a Buckos fan. Hey, what more could you want than that? This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Jenny Thornburg. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Hoffman Connection for inspiration, a life of passion and purpose. Hosts Raz and Grossi and Ed McLoon will bring you ways to remove the blocks in your life that are holding you back. Along with their guest experts, Raz and Ed will use their experience and expertise to help you learn to get closer to what matters to you most. And by doing so, improve your life and the lives of others. The Hoffman Connection can be heard live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. 
One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. Our guest today is Jenny Thornburg, Director of Interfaith Initiatives for the American Association of People with Disabilities. And, Jenny, you sent me that book, Amazing Gifts, Stories of Faith, Disability, and Inclusion by Mark Pensky, and I love this book. I'm very sure you were very excited to write the foreword to that book. So can you share with our listeners how this book came to be? Well, I actually have been doing interfaith disability work for something like 23 years. Uh, As you know, Dick and I have four wonderful sons, and our son Peter, our, our third son, um, is uh, a person with disability and a man of faith. And so these matters are personal to me as well as not, as professional. And over the years, it's been so clear whether I was speaking in a public speaking opportunity or somebody else was speaking, it's the stories, our stories that linger uh, you can tell all kinds of facts and statistics and laws and other kinds of things, and they're very important. But when you hear about our stories from our community, uh, the stories of success and the stories of non-success, they, they reach your heart. They linger in your heart as well as in your mind. And I knew that from all these years of work, and I... About four years ago, got the idea uh, of a book of our stories, uh, interfaith book of stories, and it never occurred to me that we'd end up with 64 stories, <laughs> which is uh, some of the stories, one or two of them are two pages long, a couple of them are eight, they're mostly in the middle, three, four, five, six, and um, I, we have the most wonderful publisher, Alban Institute is a religious publishing house, and they have, are very, very respected. And uh, we raised the money for the book, and then we had to find an author. Um, and you and I know there's some good authors in this field of religion and disability. There's some writing that's happened, but I wanted I wanted the best. I wanted a top person, and the name Mark. Pinsky kept coming up. Some consider Mark Pinsky to be the finest religion writer in America. 
A religion writer, of course, is somebody who is respectful of all faiths, uh, even though Mark happens to be a man of faith himself. He is respectful when he writes about all faiths and very uh, tenacious in getting the story. And so my job uh, in this book was to find the stories and then tell Mark, here is a great story. I've checked with this man, and he's willing to tell his story to you. So my job was recruiting those stories, and I had other people help me recruit the stories. And then once Mark talked to them on the phone or asked them to submit an essay, or in some cases it was a chapter from their book, and Mark then condensed it. And so there were many different ways that Mark used to make the stories all have the same feel about them. Um, and so he, he is just a phenomenal guy. And Joyce, the book is selling so well. You know, when you pour yourself into something, um, you, you don't know how, how it'll be received. And it's just been so well received. I think what it has when you read it, first of all, it's fascinating because they're folks, they're stories, ups and downs of life, you know, goals achieved and not achieved. And, um, uh, People discovering talents within themselves that they didn't know them had all kinds of good stuff. But what, what we really can see is that we in our own congregation, in our own churches, in our own synagogues, in our own temples, in our own mosques, we have work to do. And we are no longer permitted to just let others do the work. It's our job to step forward and to say hello or to offer an arm or to carry a heavy load, whatever the task that is clear, it's our job now to do this. And I think reading the, the, these stories, these are just regular human being stories, uh, gives the reader a new energy, a new sense of mission. So uh, the book just came out the very end of December, and we're right now in the process of, um, of selling it. Uh, it's available on Amazon, uh, and it's available as e-books, too, as well as a paperback. And the cost is $18, which, you know, you can... You can go to a movie theater and get a movie ticket and popcorn, and you're going to spend $18. I beg your readers and listeners instead to to invest in amazing gifts. Oh, and I would encourage everyone, Amazing Gifts, story of Stories of Faith, Disability, and Inclusion by Mark Pensky. If you're listening to the show today, this book is a must and a great gift, by the way, for someone else. And it is interfaith. It doesn't matter if you're synagogue, church, mosque. It is completely interfaith with great stories, and it will really get to you. It will. And, Jenny, as Mother Teresa said, and actually I took this quote right out of the book, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. And... As you mentioned in your book, don't start with the elevator. You know, when you go to a church, synagogue, or mosque, and you want them to change, don't start by saying, you need to put an elevator in, because, of course, that's not going to work, because they're going to see one thing only, dollar signs. 
So what are some examples of some small things that people could do to get disability introduced into worship? Yeah, that I I gave a whole uh, speech once entitled "Don't Start with the Elevator." It, it not only dollar signs, but it can divide a congregation. Um, it can bring ill will among the people of God because some people are saving the money for the roof that is going to need to be repaired, and some people are saving it for the furnace that's going to need to be repaired, and some people wanted to go to missions. And then they look around and they say, well, we don't have any wheelchair users here. What's the sense of an elevator? Well, Joyce, guess why they don't have any wheelchair users? Right. You know, <laughs> it's it's one of those things. So let's st- say a congregation is very small. And incidentally, in America, most of our congregations are very small. You live in a city, and I live in a city, and our congregations may be larger. But most congregations are maybe 100 members, maybe 60 members, and they may not have the means to do something uh, large. Uh, well, you start by making the congregation aware of the gifts that people with disabilities bring. And, you know, it's better not to do a whole sermon on that, although sermons are good and talks are good. But the way I would introduce it is by using those gifts right amongst the people. For example, my son, Peter Thornburg, has a smile that that never stops. Well, Peter Thornburg has been a greeter in his church. He's been one of those people who says, good morning, and I'm glad to see you. Well, you know, you get a smile from Peter Thornburg, and you know you're welcomed into the house of God. Uh, other ways, I, I am intrigued with the idea of a wheelchair user taking up the collection. You know, in, in uh, many congregations, the collection is taken up maybe by four or six people or two people. Let's use a wheelchair user to go up to the front of the aisle and then pass the plate. Uh, you know, let's you well, if you're if you're a braille reader, why can't you be the person assigned to read scripture every fourth Sunday? If you're a person who is um, uses ASL in a in a uh, synagogue, uh, ASL is a wonderful way for American Sign Language for the people in the synagogue to understand that we hear God in many ways, not just one way. So using the gifts in a leadership capacity for people by people with disabilities is a really good way to start. I also recommend that a congregation form a disability awareness task force or a committee, whatever the name that's appropriate for that congregation. And that's a group of people led by people with disabilities, a group of people who really understand disability issues, who have them on their heart, who might be um, a therapist of some kind, or it might be a parent. But in that sacred spot, you can tell your stories. Those of us who have been in pain from disability, whether it's from our congregation or from other places, we need to tell our stories. And that committee, that task force is a place where your story can be told and where people will listen with their hearts. 
that's another um, a simple thing a congregation can do. A congregation can do an audit of barriers. We spoke of the barriers of architecture, communication, and attitude. Uh, there's a simple audit of barriers that will be found on the That All May Worship website uh, when we get that up in about a month. And that gives the congregation a way to say, okay, we're doing pretty well on this, but we need to, to make some progress in this way. Lots of small things. You know, the thing might be, Joyce, to say good morning to the person you have been avoiding. Right. You know, in yeah. our work, work site, in our congregation, in our neighborhood, there are people we avoid. And why not make today or tomorrow the day that we say good morning? Can I give you a hand? Oh, my. Oh, my. You know, I, I'm i going to tell you, Jenny, you had a big impact on me because I was very angry that I could not get sign language interpreters at our church. So I listened to you come up with other ideas. So every week on my card for tithe, you know, it has their general for the church missions, and then it has this other category called other. So every week when I'd make my donation, I would write for sign language interpreters until, <laughs> until it got to the place where they had so much of my money that they could not use. <laughs> that they had to get a sign language interpreter. Now, the thing I'm not that fond of, and I know you tell me you see this a lot of places, is the separate room. You know, a separate room for people who have an intellectual disability or Down syndrome or whatever uh, at a church. And one of the reasons someone gave me once is, for example, autism or Tourette syndrome, that they'll make noise during the service. Now, now, what do you think about that? What do you say to people when they say that? Let me answer with a Tourette story, a Tourette syndrome story from St. Louis, Missouri. Um, and I learned this story from the mom of a young man. I think he might have been about 15 or 16. He worshipped every Sunday with his mother, and he had Tourette syndrome, and he did on occasion call out in a in a way that was not pleasant for the congregation. Well, he learned to quiet himself neurologically to fold the bulletin, the church bulletin. So by folding it and folding it and folding it, it somehow calmed his nerves down so that he, for the whole hour, was able to participate without... Um, exhibiting Tourette syndrome uh, symptoms. So a woman who is a friend of this mom saw him folding and asked him after the service, uh, have you ever tried origami? And he said, no, I haven't. So sure enough, for $14, she bought an origami, a beginner book, handed it to the young man, and another friend of the mom then bought colored paper a box of colored paper. I don't know if you've seen it, Joyce, but it's it's gold and yellow and red and blue. So then he began with the very simplest origami designs to build the simple ones and then the more complex ones and the more complex ones. Well, then a man who was in charge of the Advent tree began to see these uh, designs and instead of putting up old 
practically discarded old ornaments, said, why don't we decorate the Advent tree with these most wonderful origami designs that this young man has made? So there is a tiny example of how, by honoring someone's gifts, by thinking out of the box, by valuing that fine young man, uh, we can uh, grow, all of us can grow, and he can, uh, as he did, become a contributing member of the congregation. Wow, what a great story. I mean, that is such a great story, how that ended up. That is <laughs> awesome. There's an example of what inclusion and welcoming can create. And, Jenny, in this book, someone that really impressed me is the Bill Gaventa, who's this mm-hmm. great advocate for faith. I mm-hmm. love the story where he was talking to a young girl with an intellectual disability, uh, and and she was having problems at church. And the way she was being treated, she didn't want to go back. And her parents said, do you want to go? And she said, no. They said, well, let me ask you a question. What do you, what What is the reason? Um, I mean, God wants you. And she says back, well, it may be God's house, but he's not home. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> now, and, and, and Bill Gaventa, incidentally, is the second of our 64 stories. And Bill Gaventa is one of the people who taught me the power of stories because he himself is a storyteller. So if for no other reason, buy this book to read Chapter 2, read Bill Gaventa's contribution. Oh, and it's excellent. It really is. It really really impressed me. But, you know, Jenny, how does that make people feel? You know, whenever they are told... Uh, you have to worship some other place or, you know, treated like that at church. What do you think that does to people? Or, and I'll give you one, the worst example. I, uh, well, there are a lot of unfortunate examples, but a person who was a chair user who had parked their chair in the aisle because there was no suitable pew cut or uh, area where uh, he might be uh, seated, uh, an usher came up to him and said he was a, you are a fire hazard. You, wow. I mean, it's so horrible, I can't even say it. <laughs> so, well, oh, yeah. My you know what? But look, let's, let's, you know, we're not perfect people. God knows we're not perfect people. We're, we're trying to do a better job through education, through sacred friendship, through honest storytelling. And we, uh, we're learning. You know, what's so, uh, what saddens me more is that secular society has really come a long way. If you are in a small town or a big city, you see pew cuts, you see, uh, braille, uh, ATM machines, you see a lot of welcoming going on in secular society. And in certainly in schools, our children are learning to honor each other through inclusion in schools. So it's a matter of the faith community catching up to the secular society, which is a pretty terrible thing. When you think of the civil rights movement where the religious community was in the lead, where the top people pushing us as we should be pushed were people of faith. And uh, for us to be a little behind is not very good. Right. 
That's right. Well, with you, Jenny, I think we're going to make great headway in this area. Uh, you know, I just talked about people who are deaf uh, and including the deaf community. In the book, it talks about Mary Dyer, a deaf advocate who said it's time to break the silence about hearing loss and the impact it has on individuals. What I'd like to say about that is similar to what you said if the person says, well, why do we need an elevator? You know, we don't have wheelchairs. Well, why do we need sign language interpreters? We don't have people who are deaf. And, of course, that's the answer. If they did have sign language interpreters, they would have a lot more people as members of their congregation who are deaf. Um, and I don't know why sometimes that, you know, leaders in the religious world don't get this, but news travels fast. And when you're welcoming, you just get so many people attending. Don't you agree with that? Uh, Mary D- Dyer's chapter, Breaking the Silence, is particularly important to me of the 64 stories in Amazing Gifts because I've been wearing hearing aids for 12 years, and I hear poorly. Uh, I'm not ashamed of hearing poorly. I always... If I don't hear, ask people to repeat. But unfortunately, there is shame attached to being hard of hearing. Um, and we particularly see that among our older members who um, will not get hearing aids sometimes or will not admit when they're not hearing. Uh, I notice Mary uses in the chapter 40 million of us hear poorly. Uh, I had, I knew the number was very high, but she uses, and she's quite an expert, 40 million. Uh, wonderful new uh, ways for congregations and fellowship halls to help all of us who are hard of hearing through audio loops. Uh, and they are better, much better than the traditional way of putting on a headset, uh, an FM system, which, you know what that FM system, you, you put it on and everybody knows that you're hard of hearing and because of the shame attached to that disability, particularly among those of us who are older, um, people will avoid using those headsets. So it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Uh, how many times I've been to worship and someone will make an announcement, even though the religious leader is using uh, a good microphone, some kind of microphone, uh, someone will make an announcement and say, well, and say something like, well, I speak plenty loud enough. Uh, I don't need to come to the microphone. And then they'll announce some great event of, of food, time to eat or have fun or something like that. We just, those of us in the hard of hearing community have not been good advocates. That's the only way I can say it. We have not spoken up. We have not made our presence known. We have not insisted that our uh, disability be accommodated. And I'm hoping that I, because that's my particular disability, can be one of those moving this agenda forward. Right. Yeah, well, I agree with you. And by the way, Jenny, I am one of those people who is hard of hearing on my right side, and I do wear a hearing aid because when I had my accident where I fractured my skull, I also broke the bones in my inner ear. And for the life of me, I can't understand why people are so bothered by this because I always say, would you wear glasses? 
That's the same. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, Jenny, I want to ask you, what now? What now do you consider your greatest accomplishment? Oh, my. <laughs> you, you know, um, you don't think of life that way. Uh, you don't. You, life is a series of wonderful challenges, and some go really well and some not so well, and I don't, I don't think of myself in, in those terms. I, I'm, I, I'm very, very proud of my four sons. And I'm going to weep when <laughs> you ask me that. They, I, I, we have such fine sons, and they're deeply caring people. They're contributing citizens, and I, I guess that's probably it, Joyce. <laughs> well, no, I think that's a great thing. But I <laughs> well, have something else I've I'd like a, to add. I've got you, a, you I've had got a that wonder- prayer. You had that prayer <laughs> at the ADA sign. <laughs> I thought that was a great accomplishment. But, yes, you have many great accomplishments, and surely your family is at the top of the list. Well, Jenny, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Um, The message of uh, our work is ahead. We have important work ahead. Welcoming people into uh, your congregation is a justice issue. It's not, uh, it's not a pity party. It is about justice. It is essential work, and it's great work. It's interesting work, and it's work that will bring you great joy. And if, if I'm allowed to give a, a plug for an amazing book, Amazing Gifts, Stories of Faith, Disability, and Inclusion by Mark Pinsky, I guarantee that if you buy it, you will profit, enjoy it, um, and have a great read. I guarantee it. I guarantee it, too. I love this book. I love it. Again, go to aapd.com. Also, to read about our interfaith initiatives and Amazing Gift Story of Faith, Disability, and Inclusion by Mark Pensky is a great read and very inspirational. Well, we end every show with a quote from a civil rights leader or just a leader in America that has caused great change. So today that just has to be Jenny Thornburg, who said, there are no barriers to God's love. There should be no barriers in God's house. How powerful and how true that is. Jenny, thank you for being with us today. God bless you. God bless you, Joyce. You too. And listen, folks, this is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters, at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 